Her everyday mission is to prevent blindness, but 27 years ago, she needed a kidney transplant. I remember them whisking away my baby to the neonatal intensive care unit while I was fighting for my life as well. That's kidney transplant recipient and executive vice president of the iBank in Illinois, Eversight, Diane Hollingsworth. I'm Monica Fox, kidney transplant recipient and director of government relations for the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois. On this episode of The Journey Continues, Diane shares her remarkable journey as not only a recipient, but also as a leader in the field of vision restoration through donation and transplantation. Hi, Diane. How'd your kidney disease journey start? Well, I was first diagnosed in 1991 at age 32. At the time, my husband and I had two daughters, age three and two, and I was pregnant with daughter number three. So life was good, had a great career, a wonderful family. What happened was I was diagnosed with preeclampsia with my first pregnancy, which is not unusual, but then I was diagnosed again with my second pregnancy, which was a little more concerning because I had elevated blood pressure and an added burden to my kidneys. But my kidney function returned to relatively normal after each of those um, births of those children. It was not until the third pregnancy that I was diagnosed with kidney disease. My kidneys were failing and I had emergency C-section at 30 weeks of the pregnancy. I remember them whisking away my baby to the neonatal intensive care unit while I was fighting for my life as well. I finally talked a nurse into taking me to the NICU unit after a few days and I arrived to find my pastor giving my daughter her last rites. But she was a fighter and fast forward two months later and my daughter Emily Ann was coming home with us. So it was, a really positive thing to a really tense time. So my kidney stabilized after that, and I believe God does not give you more than you can handle, and I needed to be healthy for my girls. So I eventually went back to work while spending time with my three precious little ones. But about a year later, I was up giving a presentation at work and I started hemorrhaging. I drove myself to the hospital, and the next thing I remember was a few days later, I was in the hospital on dialysis and had a hysterectomy to stop the bleeding. The the nephrologist described it as my kidneys falling off a cliff. And that's sort of where my dialysis and transplant journey started. Wow, what a story. As mothers, we give so much of ourselves in giving birth, and we push forward. And I'm so glad that Emily survived and um, that you had the strength to get through that part of your journey. What was your experience like waiting for a transplant? Well, I started out on hemodialysis and I eventually moved to peritoneal. And it was a crazy journey as I was still working. I was back at work and I did fluid exchanges at home, at work, in my car, and I even traveled. So Baxter would send my needed dialysis solution to the hotel while I was traveling and I would have it there for me for my for my business trips. So they were amazing and caring, but eventually I had to move to home dialysis. I needed more. I remember my, probably one of my most vivid memories is my girls uh, would get their teddy bears and they would play dialysis with them. The, bear, they, the, the bears and the girls all wearing masks, which is appropriate to this time, right? Yeah. Um, And they had tubing to pretend they were giving the bears dialysis. It was determined that most likely started my kidney disease was a summer in college when I had a prolonged sickness and the lack of proper treatment of a strep throat and the strep settled into my kidneys 
and started the slow deterioration. And the pregnancies just you know, made it worse. So eventually I had a transplant in November, 1993. I was very, very lucky. I had a few eager siblings and my mom to get tested. Um, and I ended up getting a second chance of life from my mom. So here I am 27 years later with an 85 year old kidney and all is well, and I'm so grateful. I look back at that time and I truly thought I was doing well through it all, but I have a lot of memory gaps as I think you're just existing to make it through to another day. But uh, my transplant has been successful and things have been really great ever since. Again, a mother's love, <laughs> yes. the strength of your mother to give you her kidney and that kidney <laughs> working like crazy still today. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. How's being a transplant recipient affected your work and your personal mission? Well, it's kind of an interesting story. Around five years later, I called the Kidney Foundation of Illinois to buy Christmas cards, actually. And I met the CEO at the time, Willa Lang, and she recruited me onto the board of directors. And at the same time, I left the corporate world because it changes your view on how you want to spend the rest of your life. So I wanted to start my own business so I wouldn't have to travel so much. But I have to say, I was devastated when I learned from my previous insurance company that was obligated to provide me coverage. But what I didn't know is that they had to provide you coverage, but they don't have to provide it at the same level or the same price. So I remember reading my coverage letter and it was for catastrophic coverage only for a premium of $40,000 per year because of the kidney transplant. So my own business was put on hold and um, for a very good reason. I didn't want, couldn't afford to pay $40,000 a year for catastrophic coverage. Um, so I was ready to put my corporate work aside and join the ranks of a nonprofit. I felt that my 20 years in the corporate world would transfer well to help nonprofits. I could still have benefits. And actually what better one than the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois. So that started my, National Kidney Foundation started my nonprofit work. That's so interesting. And I agree with you 100% that being a transplant recipient definitely changes the way you view life and how you want to spend the rest of it. So you spent about eight years at the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois uh, before beginning at Eversight. How do the organizations differ? So yes, I joined the NKFI as Director of Medical Education I always say nonprofit found me, but I've never looked back. I've loved every minute of it. So I worked there for the eight years. I enjoyed working there and getting to know the recipients, the dialysis patients, the nephrologist. I was there for the launch of the kidney mobile, the rollout of med medical education and corporate donation programs. I really enjoyed my years. I would say they're very similar in many ways, but probably one big difference is the NKFI works to prevent kidney disease before someone is in need of a transplant through patient awareness and education. Eversight's more involved when there's a need for a cornea transplant and in research to help define cures for blinding eye conditions. That's an interesting difference and um, I'm glad you shared that with me. So tell me about your role at Eversight and the role that it plays in donation. Well, by this point, my daughters were in their 20s and I was ready to lead an organization again. So I took the job running Eversight Illinois. Eversight facilitates the gift of sight through corneal transplant, as well as provides critical research tissue for cures of all the other blinding eye conditions like macular degeneration and diabetic retinopathy. So I've been there 10 years 
and my present role is Executive Vice President of External Relations for all of Eversight worldwide. At Eversight, it starts with a donor. We recover the site saving corneas from a generous donor upon their passing. We prepare the tissue for transplant in our clinical facilities and then get it back out to a surgeon to perform the corneal transplant. We provide tissue for over 8,000 transplants per year. Oh, wow. What part of the eye is actually transplanted? Is it the whole eye? A lot of people think that, that they can get a whole eye transplant, but that's not how it works. So it's basically um, the part of the eye that can be transplanted is the cornea. It's about the size of a dime. It's the clear outer layer of the front of the eye, the window to the eye that helps to focus light so that you can see clearly. So corneal disease is a leading cause of blindness worldwide. And the cornea disease is caused by clouding or an irregular shape of your cornea or scarring, which can completely blur your vision. So we do recover whole eyes for critical research, but the vast majority of the work that we do is the cornea only. Okay. So does an eye donor have to have perfect vision in order to donate? No, actually, that's one of the misconceptions. Because many people have eye diseases that affect other parts of their eye and not the cornea, um, many can still be cornea donors even if they have sight problems of their own. Um, A few years back, actually, a woman who had been blind her whole life, but it was retina disease that caused her blindness, Her mom on her passing, her next of kin, was able to donate her tissue and it provided sight to two other people. And imagine the delight of the mother to know that her daughter, upon her death, was able to provide sight to two people. Two people could see because of her daughter when her daughter couldn't see during her life. That is absolutely amazing. What a wonderful story. I love that. So in Illinois, what's the wait time for someone who needs a corneal transplant? So we're very lucky in Illinois and across the United States that cornea transplants can actually be scheduled versus the long wait times for organs. And that's because the the tissue is avascular. So you're 10 times more likely to be a cornea tissue donor than an organ donor. So over the years, we've been able to meet the need in the United States. It's very different worldwide, and that's why we've expanded across the world, as there is over 12 million people estimated in need throughout the world. So we opened an eye bank in South Korea, and we send tissue throughout the world. Plus, our fundraising efforts are to ensure no one is ever turned away for a sight-restoring transplant. That's beautiful. So you're actually restoring sight worldwide. One transplant at a time. Tell me about someone whose vision has been restored and the impact that it had on their life. One story that always sticks in my mind is that I've been there 10 years. I first met um, a young girl. She was actually featured in a poster that was at the Secretary of State's offices with Secretary White. Um, And so I've had the pleasure to follow her over the past 10 years that I've been at Eversight. And from a young girl, she was struggling in school, struggling to find her way. She couldn't read. She couldn't write, but now as a young woman and after two transplants, she's thriving in college and following her dreams and doing amazing things and is so grateful. And another is a grandmother who the day after her transplant went from seeing light, but no images. For her, it was like looking through a piece of wax paper. So try that sometime, put a piece of wax paper up and try to look through it. And that's what it looks like. It's just light, but you can't see images. 
And after her transplant, the next day, she looked out her front window and she could see the bricks on the house across the street and even the, the mortar between the bricks and the flowers in the front yard. And she talks about how she could see her kids that she truly hadn't seen them in years. And the funny thing she always says is that she had no idea how much dust was in her house. So she could see that too, but <laughs> she said it really, it really changed both their lives. Some things you don't need to see, huh? The dust. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's beautiful. Those are two stories that touch my heart. Thank you for sharing those. What are some of the myths and misconceptions about corneal transplants, the common myths and misconceptions? Well, the myths are very similar to organ donation. However, there's one that's been added for corneal donation. For some people, they believe the windows, the eyes are the windows to their soul and they'll consent to donation, but not their eyes. So we've had to do a lot of education and uh, work with them on, on how, what a wonderful gift the corneas can be to provide sight. So I think every year people become more and more open to donation and this has become less and less of an issue. I will tell you that I've gotten to know so many donor family members and they are so happy that something good came from something so tragic and someone is able to read, play sports, see their grandchildren and see all the beauty in the world because of their loved one's donation. What are the biggest challenges for the future of organ eye and tissue donation? Well, we're definitely all in this together. We're looking for ways to meet the critical need for transplants worldwide. And we hope to find new therapies to provide life and sight for those in need. I think that's why we have to devote our resources to not only provide the best possible outcomes for corneal transplant recipients, but we have to also work on innovative therapies like regenerative medicine and research into cures of all blinding and conditions. And I think um, that's the same with kidney disease. And another key thing for us, and I think it's across um, organ and eye and tissue, is that the insurance coverage is key. You heard my story about how insurance changed my course, but we need to figure out ways to ensure that organ, eye, and tissue transplants are covered by insurance. For cornea, we're seeing more and more private insurance companies attempting to exclude the coverage. So there's still so much more to do in that area as well. Yes, there's a lot of work to do and with strong people like you at the helm of organizations like Eversight, I think we can get it done. And I just wanna thank you for spending this time with me. This has just been a fascinating conversation. I'm encouraged and delighted by your 27 years. That encourages me as I work towards my four year transplant anniversary. So thank you so much for this conversation, Diane. And thank you, Monica. It's been, it's so grateful to serve the donation community. Uh, like I said before, I feel like nonprofit found me and donation found me, but it's been an, a wonderful journey and I, I really like to serve in this area. You have the power to restore sight by choosing to become an eye donor. You could give someone the gift of sight. To join the registry and to learn more about the work Diane and Eversight are doing, visit eversightvision.com. Org. At NKFI, prevention is a major part of our mission. That's why at the end of each episode, you will hear a nutrition tip. Here's Dr. Melissa Prest. Here is today's nutrition tip about healthy snacking. Savory or sweet, snacks can be a part of a healthy diet. You may be wondering what snacks are best for me. 
If you do not have a good appetite, you can always use snacks to make sure you are meeting your nutritional needs throughout the day. Smoothies, protein shakes, peanut butter with a piece of fruit are some great examples of how to get in extra calories, protein, fiber, and vitamins and minerals by eating a snack. If you're treated with dialysis, a snack like a hard-boiled egg or half of a tuna or chicken salad sandwich is an easy way to replace the protein loss during your treatment. And I love how snacks are a way to get an extra servings of fruits and vegetables throughout the day. What if you have a great appetite and still want a snack? Go for snacks that are higher in fiber to help you feel full in between meals. You can choose hummus and raw cucumbers and bell peppers, three to four cups of air popped popcorn or a bowl of high fiber cereal with milk or milk alternative of your choice, or even just a piece of fruit. Don't forget about your teeth. Eating more frequently means you should brush your teeth more or do a water rinse after eating to keep your mouth healthy and cavity free. Any way you slice it, snacks can be included into a healthy diet. With today's nutrition tip, I'm Melissa Prest, a registered dietitian nutritionist and the foundation dietitian for the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois. The Journey Continues is brought to you by the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois and sponsored by Donate Life Illinois. To learn more about kidney disease and living donation, visit www.nkfi.org. To register to become an eye, tissue, and organ donor, visit lifegoeson.com. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please subscribe to and leave a review for The Journey Continues in Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. This podcast is produced by Rivet. To hear more great podcasts, visit rivet360.com.